Thank you again. It's such an honor to be here with the Spanish ministry also. Thank you. What a blessing. We have a lot to learn from you here, so God is so good to us, and we want to try to always keep on learning from other people like you here. It's a, it's a great, great honor. I've known uh, from the last time I was here, but way before that, I had a good friend in Albuquerque, and he would always mention this church, a pastor, Gerald Wood, and he was always, uh, uh, came to Mexico and, and did help there with so many things there. And, and Bocoina, Brother Kaler, where we graduated from his school. <clears throat> and so any good, to, any good thing that's from him and any bad thing, that's our fault. So <laughs> thank you. This morning I want to speak to you about, a little bit about Jonah. His wrong attitude, the wrong attitude of Jonah. Uh, to illustrate a little bit, uh, there one time there came two friends that went to a church that they were traveling and they just stopped for to go to church and and when they collected the offering, one of them just put the hand in his pocket and and took out a bill and when he left it to the offering plate. He saw it was a hundred. Oh, but it was too late to take it back. And when, when the church was over, he told his friend what had happened. He said, you know something? I wanted to give 20, but when I just put my pocket, my hand in the pocket, and when I let the bill go, I saw that was a hundred. It was too late to take it back. And his friend said, don't worry, God will only reward you for the 20. <laughs> you know, our attitude, it, it uh, plays a very, very important part, like, like with Jonah. And that's what God did correct Jonah's attitude in serving. You know, there in Deuteronomy 28, Verse uh, 1 to 15, the Bible talks about all the blessings God going to pour upon Israel if they keep his word. Then from verse 16 to the end, and it's a long chapter, God uh, talks about all the curses that he's going to send if they do not keep his commandments, his word. Verse 46 and 47 of that chapter, it speaks of one of the curses, and it says... Because thou didst not serve the goal, God with cheerfulness and gladness of heart. Yes. It doesn't say that they didn't serve God, but they did not do it with cheerfulness and gladness of heart. Yes. So God looks way deeper into us than just our appearance. Yes. And he listens way deeper than just to our words when we pray. Our words are not even so much so much important as our attitude we pray with to, before God. And then in 2 Corinthians 9, it says, God loveth a cheerful giver. Not just any kind of giver, but a cheerful giver. Yes, sir. Attitude. Yes. How important that is. Yes, 
Remember this man there in our attitude, we can change it as fast as we can, as we want to. Remember that father when he came to Jesus and wanted him to come to his house to heal his daughter? And while he was speaking to another lady there, someone told him, don't bother the master, your daughter is dead. And when he came, it says that everybody in the room where this girl was, they were crying. And when Jesus came and said, she is not dead, but sleep it, they say they all laughed at him. See how fast it could change from crying to laughing. Attitude can change very fast. Remember when Paul was in Acts chapter 28 on the journey to Rome? And there through all that big storm they had and they came to this one aisle and uh, idol. And, and remember when he was gathering sticks for the fire that this uh, serpent caught onto his hand and, and the people said, he must be an evil man because judgment doesn't let him live. So they were sure he was an evil man. He was going to drop dead. And since he did not drop dead, what do they say now? He is a god. See how fast they changed from an evil man to a god. Attitude can change as, as fast as we need to change it. And that's what God deals with Jonah, his bad attitude. Let's read there in Jonah chapter 4, verse 5 through 11. So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city. And there made him a booth and sat under it in the shadow till he might see what would become of the city. And the Lord God prepared a gourd and made it to come, uh, to come up, and and uh, over Jonah, that it might be a shadow over his head, to deliver him from his grief. So Jonah was exceeding glad for the gourd, but God prepared a worm. When the morning rose the next, the next day, and it smote the gourd that had withered, and it came to pass when, sun, when the sun did arise that God prepared a vehement east wind, and the sun beat upon the head of Jonah that he fainted and wished himself to die and said, It is better for me to, to die than to live. And God said to Jonah, Dost thou well to be angry for the gourd? And he said, I do well to be angry unto death. And said the Lord, thou hast, had, thou, hast, thou hast had pity on the gourd, for that which thou hast not labored, neither madest it grow, which came up in the night and perished in the night. And they should not spare Nineveh, that great city, wherein are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between their right hand and their left, and also much cattle. So here in the book of Jonah, the four outstanding things that God did, uh, first in 117, 
he prepared a great fish. And in 2.6, he prepared the gourd over Jonah. And there in 4.7, he prepared a worm. And then he prepared in 4.8 a vehement wind. Of all those four things, the smallest was the worm. But I think God taught Jonah more through that worm than through the other, other signs he did. And that worm was just created to test and try to correct Jonah's attitude. He had a very wrong attitude. So number one, God wanted to show Jonah who was in control of everything, including Jonah's life. Who was in control of everything? Jonah thought he was in control. Jonah thought he could decide where to go and where not to go. And Jonah said, I can decide if go to Nineveh, even if God had told me, or go to Tarshish. I can decide. But God had to teach him otherwise. God had to teach him, no, it's not yours to decide. Remember the 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, Paul says we are bought with the blood and we are not our own. Yes. We are not our own. I have to remind me very often that when I received Jesus Christ as my personal Savior, I accepted a price for me. So in return, I sold myself to Jesus. He didn't, he, not to pay my salvation or anything. Just because I accepted a price for me, so he bought me, the Bible says, he bought us with a price, with his own blood. Now we are not ours anymore. We don't belong to ourselves. So we should never do things that unless we consult our Heavenly Father first. But so many, so many times we have that attitude that Jonah had. And the first thing that God wanted to show Jonah, who was in control? And that was not Jonah. That was God. And Jonah was not easy to, to learn that, that God was in control. He had to put him through some very tough things like the fish and now with the gourd for Jonah to, to learn. Jonah, I decide, says God, not you. I decide where you go and where you not go. I decide what you should do and what you should not do. So who is in control? God created the gourd and he withered it. That was not Jonah's job. It was God's that did it. God's work that made the gourd to grow. And when God wanted, he made it to wither. Not Jonah. And all that was to Jonah, if I say you go to Nineveh, you go. Or you suffer for it. And that's what, what John, Jonah had to learn. And the Lord, the Lord reminds him 
Thou hast not labored, neither made it grow. Verse 10. You haven't done anything, but now you think it's yours. Just like God can put it over him, God can take it away from him. That's why it's so wrong to build on material things because they can wither so easily from our life. Have you ever known a person that was wealthy and before long he was bankrupt? How far? God says don't trust in material things because they will get uh, wings like eagles and fly to heaven. Don't trust on them. Just use material things, but don't depend on them. And that's what Jonah had to learn. You just use the gourd as long as God wants you to and should be grateful. But now assume that you're going to have it forever because the gourd was not there forever. The Lord prepared the worm to show that Jonah's aim in life shouldn't be his comfort. You know, to have comfort is good. I don't think that God is against it. But to make the personal comfort, the aim, number one aim of our life as Christians, I think that's wrong. We have a higher goal. We have a higher uh, zeal. We have God whom we please. We have to look uh, to this lost world, number one. That's what we're here for, to, to bring the gospel to this lost and dying world and not just our own comfort. God had to show Jonah. That's what made him flee to Tarshish to begin with. You know, it's a, it's a funny story. Do you know that from Tarshish, that's where King Solomon brought all the gold from to build the temple. <laughs> so Jonah, he was not that blind. He knew where the gold was. But that was wrong. He should listen to God, not just think, oh, I'll just run to Tarshish and I'll have it good there. There's lots of gold in Tarshish. That should not be his gold. For Christians to make comfort their aim in life can bring much discomfort. Remember there when God had brought the Israelites out of bondage and took them to, to Jerusalem to build a temple? In the book of Haggai, you can read, before long, because they had a little persecution, they forgot all about the temple. And God says twice, everybody runs to your own houses. And they were making their own houses very nice houses. And God didn't say throw your houses down. But the wrong thing, they were running to their own houses. And they had forsaken God's house. And it says twice the prophet Haggai, my house is a desert. So God says, now to correct it, go to the mountain and cut timber and build my house. He did not say, forsake your house, but build my house also. So just to work for our own comfort in life, as a Christian, as a blood-bought Christian, it's not what God wants. Remember when Paul 
they went to the journey to Rome. And, and Paul warned them there in Acts chapter 28, they should stay in fair haven. But they did, their ship was not engine driven. That was driven by the wind. And as soon as the wind blew in the right direction, they assumed that this was the right thing. The circumstances were in favor, so they, instead of listening to Paul, they, listened, they, they looked at the circumstances and went and looked at the storm they encountered up there. Because they said it was not commodious to stay in Fairhaven. What was their seal? What was their goal in life? Their own comfort. And look what that brought them into. If they had listened to Paul, they would never got in that great big storm where they almost perished except God spoke to Paul that they would save him. So Jonah had to correct that to make his own comfort the goal of his life. He was a prophet of God. He should care about number one for the lost souls around Nineveh and other place and not just his own comfort. The heaven, they, it was not commodious. The Bible says, verse 12, Acts 20, 28, 12. And you can read the rest of the chapter and find out what happened because they did not listen to Paul. See, when Christians make their comfort their number one goal in life, big problems can come ahead. Just to teach us that that's not the goal of our life. You can have comfort, of course, but not the main thing. We have higher things to fulfill the great commission as church Christians and members of a church and support our church to do that, to, to spread out the gospel around the world. God had to teach Jonah that God was in control. God had to teach Jonah to, to reveal Jonah's bad attitude, his wrong attitude in thinking that his comfort was more important than the souls of Nineveh. What was his wrong attitude? Look, he had an uncontrolled attitude. Look at there verse 8 and verse 9 of chapter 4 of, of Jonah. Look verse 8. And it came to pass when the sun did arise that God prepared a vehement heat wind and the sun beat upon the head of Jonah that he fainted and wished himself to die and said it is better for me to die than to live. And how happy he was when he was covered by the gourd. Verse 9, And God said to Jonah, Doest thou well to be angry for the gourd? And he said, I do well to be angry, even to death. First, he was very happy because there was a shade over his head. And when God took it away, look how angry. He rather wanted to die than to live without the gourd. He, he had an uncontrolled attitude. From very happy 
to very mad, even wanting to die rather than live. I don't know what we would do if all of a sudden God would take our possessions away. And we had to start from all over again. I hope he doesn't. But he can. What would we do? That's why it was so wise to spend some of it as the Lord leads on world evangelization. So God, we will not tempt God to take everything away because the thing have gotten hold to our, onto us instead of us using it for the Lord. Verse 6 there it says he was very glad. In verse 9 he was angry and was wanting to die. He had a materialized attitude. He was glad for the material gourd and was angry that God saved the Ninevites. How can that be? Can you imagine a Christian? Can you imagine much less a prophet of God? Being glad for a material blessing and then being angry because God saved the lost souls. Can you imagine something like that? But that's what we see in Jonah. You know, in Christians, as I stated in Sunday school, Pastor J. Oswald J. Smith said, there's only one Christian in 10,000 that believes that the evangelization of the world is the supreme task of the church. If that statement is true, where does that leave us? What does it tell? How many of us Christians then are bound on material things and work hard and work many days as we can to get more material things and don't even spend a little bit on bringing the gospel out to the world. I don't know. Does that leave us far away from Jonah? From following his footsteps? Being so glad that I'm getting, having more comfort in life but being so angry because I don't have enough material things. Then he had a rebuked attitude. Verse 10, how God rebuked Jonah's attitude. A prophet of God. And look what a wrong attitude he had. That was just so wrong from Jonah. And so many times I have to read it and just uh, try to analyze myself. Have I obtained some of the attitudes, wrong attitudes that Jonah had? Do I need to correct it? Psalm 119, verse 59 says, I considered my ways and brought myself back to the law. So the psalmist recognized that somewhere, somehow, he had gone astray in his life. And as he considered and analyzed his life, he knew that he had gone astray, so he brought it back to where it should be. And sometimes to recognize that we've gone astray, that's one thing. But then to bring it back to where it should be, that's a total different thing. And one more thought, and I am through. God brought the worm 
to demonstrate the distorted priorities of Jonah. Very twisted priorities. What was his wrong priorities? He put the, he put the perishing before the permanent. That gourd was nothing but a perishing thing. And he put that, he put a value on the gourd above the eternal souls of the Ninevites. You wonder, prophet of God, how, however, can you be so wrong? Where, where did it go, where did you start going wrong that you can come to such a, such a wrong place where you put the perishing before the permanent? That's unbelievable. So we should not trust on the things of this world. We're just going through. We're pilgrims. We're waiting for the rapture. But then sometimes we work as if we want to stay here forever. Our life is so short. So short. I heard a preacher say one time, a pastor, he had many, he had visited many people, Christian people in hospital on their deathbed. He said, I've never encountered one yet that lamented on having given too much in life. They always lamented at their deathbed for not having given enough. They should have done more. I should have done more. I should have done more. We can maybe ask ourselves, have I put the perishing before the permanent? Am I working more for this world, for the perishing things of the world, than for the eternal souls of man? Forgetting the gospel, forgetting the missionaries to the world, forgetting the Bible out there, that they can read it and have a chance to be saved? He put the feeling before faith. God told him to go and preach to Nineveh. That's what he should have believed and done. But he felt like doing something else, and that's what he did. He went more by his feelings than by the faith in God. You know, feelings is a good thing, but when you put it above faith and above God and above God's word, then we are totally wrong. Feelings are just for a second. They perish, they change, they go different. One time we are so happy, and the next moment we are mad. Has it ever happened to you and your family? Uh, you're so happy, and within a minute or two, you're yelling at each other? No, that only happens probably in Chihuahua, not here. <laughs> but that's what Jonah he felt, they, they say that the Ninevites, they had, they had piles of bones of Jews that they had killed. I don't know, but that's what some commentators say. So I don't know what John, Jonah must have felt. Why should I go to those Jew killers? And why should I go? They maybe kill me, and they've done so much bad. Why? They don't deserve. Of course they don't deserve. But God still wants his grace for them, and he should go and preach to them. 
the feelings above the permanent. He put self above souls. You know, I'm not more important than the lost souls of man. So if I just use my life, my talents, my time, my money just for self, for a very short life, and then and not spend at least some of it, some of my time looking for souls, some of my money to support missions and everybody, instead of using it for me, am I not putting self above souls then? And they'll be in hell or in heaven for all eternity. One thing we can never do in heaven is win a soul to Christ or give a missions offering to spread out the gospel. We can only do it in this life. Only in this life. You can only preach here. You can only witness here. You can only influence here. Be a light to the lost world. Support missionaries. Pray for missionaries. You can only do it in this life. In my last thought, he put comfort before commission. God has commanded us, his churches, to preach the gospel to every creature and the whole world. That's God's commission. That's God's command. Repeated over and over and over to go for the globe. We're gonna, we need to have a world vision. We need to think of the world. The world needs to hear. The world needs missionaries. The world needs the gospel. The world, God commanded us to the world to preach the gospel. And so many times our comfort comes before commission. Like Jonah. He wanted to live a comfort life. And I said, I don't think it's wrong as long as we don't forget the most important, the great commission that God has given us so many times to go into the world. And if you and I cannot go, we can send others. We can support others. We can give to missions. We can pray for missions. We can pray for labors, that God would raise labors for, the, for the, this world. We can do that. Remember there so many times in the book of Judges, Israel, they were in bondage. And God, God's people prayed for a deliverer. And God would send them a deliverer. Don't we think that we can pray for labors, for God's harvest, and God would answer? I don't have to tell God whom to call. I just have to, have to ask God to raise up labors for his harvest. You can too. And then we can give also with a cheerful attitude. If we, don't, if we haven't done so, we can change our attitude and from now on say, God, help me to give cheerfully with gladness of heart because I'm doing something for this lost 
world that they can hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly 